Well, good morning, everyone. I'm super excited. You know, you've heard, probably you've heard when people are dating, uh, when they want to go public with it, it becomes Facebook official. You've heard that before. Uh, so now I'm, I'm Mariner's official after about 10 years of speaking here. I've joined, joined the team. I'm super excited about it. Before that, I've been, uh, yeah. Apparently, apparently I was unofficial, uh, which feels kind of dirty. So I'm excited, excited to join the team. I'm excited for Eric's leadership. I'm excited for the, there's just so much enthusiasm around Mariners and I can't put my finger on it. I thought it was maybe Eric, it was the growth, maybe Kanye's new album uh, that came up. But once I, I saw Eric's haircut, him and Kanye are kind of the same person anyway. So. <laughs> As, um, as the new uh, pastor to teenagers, a junior high and high school, really I'm gonna make an ask of you right now. I'm looking for a thousand people. A thousand people who will pray for the teenagers in our church, in our community. I don't think it's a big swing. A lot of people are saying, oh, so we won't get a thousand people. I, I don't think the other two services have helped so far, but this is where the spiritual people are. So I'm asking for a thousand people. I'm just gonna email you every month with prayer requests because friends, if we're gonna see revival, we're gonna see kids come to Jesus and our county change and our church change, teenagers are not the future of the church. They are the church. Jesus didn't say, follow me when you're an adult. He said, follow me. So, and I've told you this before, when you see teenagers in the service, high five them, tell them you're glad they're here, give them money, whatever it is. Like, <laughs> let, let, you know, today, if you're a teenager, raise your hand. Let me see where you are. Yeah, great, let, let, come on. They are under unique challenges that you and I never faced. I never went to school ever thinking about a school shooting. I never went to school with the entire world at my fingertips on my, my phone. So we need to be praying for, for kids, and I want to invite you to do that. I've made it real simple, is all you need to do is text the word youth to this number. If you're sitting by a teenager, they can help you actually do this, okay? Because <laughs> uh, some of you have no idea how to do that. But just know that if you want to pray and you don't know how to use your phone, I've got your back. And here's what I want you to do. Just get your Connect card and write the word youth on there, fill it out, and then put it in the offering, or we have a table this weekend by the baptism that just says junior high, high school, there's balloons. Just drop it off there and join me. You'll be part of my thousand person prayer team, all right? How many of you are game for that? Let me see. Thank you for that, thank you. The other services did not come through, but I, I'm really counting on you. I wanna invite you in today to some conversations that I've been having with some friends of mine over the last couple months. It's just, it's kind of striking me that as we talk about faith and doubt and fear and I hear questions about God, I just began this week just writing some of them down and I wanna invite you into these conversations. One friend said, uh, who they, they can't seem to get pregnant, she said, our dreams are being quenched. A teenager told me, I've prayed like never before for my mom and she hasn't been healed. Somebody not married in their 30s said, the window seems to be closing with, with great disappointment. Uh, a faithful Christian businessman who says, I'm trying to do business with integrity and by godly standards, and yet it looks like I'm gonna, I'm gonna lose my business. I might survive if I cheated. Several friends that I have right now are struggling with their adult children. 
Uh, one guy would tell me he's got to move out of California because he's not making it work. And you know, this doesn't even include the physical pains that, that people are in. There's physical pain everywhere. I have a neighbor. I actually don't even really know these people, but they heard I was a pastor, and the lady marched her husband down and wanted me to pray. He's got some kidney issues. It was kind of a weird house call uh, that they came to me, but, you know, invited them in, talked a little bit, and then I, I prayed, and, and I switched. I prayed for his liver. Uh, even though it was his kidney, I just forgot in all of it, and I prayed for his liver. And I just want to let you know that, that God answers prayers because his liver is fine, all right? Now, these are, these are just my friends, okay? Just my friends. And some of you are like, Doug, get some new friends. I know. And some of you are thinking, well, now that you're a mariner staff, don't hang around me. I, I, I get it. But here's what I think is interesting. All of these people are, are asking this fundamental question. They're asking this. How can it be? How can it be? How can it be that I'm in this pain? How can it be that I have these doubts? How can it be that I'm living with the, the, these fears? I've been praying, and God, if you're, if you're really God, how, come, you know, how, how can this be? And I'm just curious, how many of you would say that maybe, let's say over the last six months, that either you or somebody you know has prayed that or thought that how can it be put your hands up and I just want keep it up for a second look around so I, I just want you to see that that you're you're not alone all right now by the way if you didn't raise your hand <laughs> it's coming to you soon all right <laughs> pretty soon you're going to be saying you know how can it be and I also realize there are many forms of that how can it be uh how can it be questions I was watching uh the Laker game on Friday night it was like how can it be that the Lakers are in first place, okay? Yesterday, uh, you know, I hear Christmas commercials. I mean, how can it be that, it, that it's almost Christmas? We haven't even hit Thanksgiving yet. Like, how can it be that they're advertising? My wife is the only one happy about this because at, at Christmas time, I add a third song into the three songs that I sing. See, every day when I come home, I sing a song when I enter the door. Um, when a man loves a woman, Michael Bolton, uh, or Rod Stewart classic, uh, If You Think I'm Sexy and Want My Body. Uh, so those are the two that I sing just every day. And then the third is in December, I sing God Rest You Merry Gentlemen. So she, December kind of gives her a reprieve. But um, he, here's the deal. This how can it be question that I'm talking about, it's directed at God. It's directed at problems related to faith or pain or doubt or, or fear. And honestly, I don't want you to feel guilty for asking that question because it's not a new question, okay? It's been around for, for a long time. I mean, speaking of Christmas, uh, think about young Mary, teenager, finds out she's pregnant, virgin. How can it be? She says to Joseph, her fiance, I'm pregnant. And he's like, what? How can it, you know, how can it be? Because we didn't, we didn't go there. Okay, you go in the Old Testament, you've got Abraham and Sarah who are super old and they're promised a baby and they're like, how can it, how can it be? Uh, in the New Testament, you've got Elizabeth and Zechariah who again fall in that old category who are promised a child and they're like, you know, you know how, how, how can it be? And so it's not a new question, but it's an important question because it's a common question. It's not a new question, just let's just get that out in the open. It's not a new question, but it's an important question because it's a common question. In January, I think I'm going to be teaching a three-week series to junior high students on um, 
and if you have junior high students, get them there. I'm going to be talking about um, John the Baptist uh, because he's weird and wild and wacky. And, I mean, he's perfect for junior high. And uh, as I've been reading about John the Baptist, it hit me that his dad, Zechariah, actually asked this question, how can it be before John the Baptist was, was even born? Let me give you context if you don't know it. Similar to Mary and Joseph, um, Zechariah and Elizabeth are, old, are, are told they're going to have a, a, a baby by, by an angel. And they're super old, but the Bible actually says that um, Zechariah was a righteous man. But when he's told he's going to have a child, which is John the Baptist, who, if you don't know this, he's the opening act for Jesus. Okay, John the Baptist is very famous. He's pointing everybody to Jesus. So John the Baptist is, is, is a big deal. And Zechariah realizes how old they are, and he says, how can it be? And then, boom, because of his lack of faith, he was actually muted for nine months. He was muted during the whole, he couldn't, he couldn't speak anymore, which I don't fully don't understand because I'm like, if he's a righteous man, why'd you, why'd you knock him on that one, you know, fear, doubt question? And then I thought, well, maybe it was for Elizabeth's benefit. Yeah, really, think about it. Ladies, you get a twofer, right? I'm pregnant and he's not talking at all, you know, because my wife said, apparently I spoke too much during our first pregnancy. I was all worried, like, you know, should you sit there? Should you walk up those stairs? Should you get off the trampoline? Should you put down the knife? You know, all, all that kind of stuff. And so if you, if you have your Bible, that's the context. If you don't, it's up on the screen or in your notes. It's in Luke chapter 1, starting at verse 57. When it was a time for Elizabeth's baby to be born, she gave birth to a son. And when her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had been very merciful to her, everyone rejoiced with her. When the baby was eight days old, they all came for the circumcision ceremony, which that had to be a party. Uh, they wanted to name him Zechariah after his father, but Elizabeth said, no, his name is John. What? They exclaimed, there is no one in all your family by that name. Let me just pause and let you know that culturally, that was considered radical. Okay, that would have been, that's like, what, what, John, are you out of your mind? John is a stupid name, okay? No offense to the hundreds of Johns that are here, uh, but, you know, and they're like, do you have to go to the John? Is that why you're thinking that? Or, or there was, epidurals weren't invented yet. Maybe you're in pain and you're not thinking correctly. So culturally, that was, that was radical, okay? We start there. And pick up in verse 62, it says, so they used gestures to ask the baby's father what he wanted to name him. Remember, he was, he was muted. He mentioned for, he motioned for a writing tablet, and to everyone's surprise, he wrote, his name is John. Instantly, Zechariah could speak again, and read with me, what, what does he do? And he began praising God. Super, super interesting to me. Now, watch what happens. The last words he said were, how can this be? Nine months passes. He gets his voice back, and what does he do? Praising God. Now, I don't have simple answers for you today, but I do know a lot of us live over there in that category of how can it be. I know that some of us get over here where we either see a prayer answered or a situation resolved that either we wanted or we didn't want. But what is it that people of faith can count on in the midst of how can it be 
in, in answer to prayer. Does that make sense? Are you tracking with me? Like, what can we count on in this journey as people of faith? And when I say people of faith, I also realize that, um, you know, there's a lot of people here. Not all of, all of us here are people of faith. Some of you are checking out this whole God thing. You're investigating. You're curious. You're wondering. You're forced to be here. You're dating by somebody who says, go. You know, whatever it is, you're, you're, you're sincerely curious. I just want to let you know, I think you came on a good day because you're actually going to get a, a, a glimpse or a snapshot into the character of God. But what is it that people of faith can count on between how can it be and praising God? praising God. And I'm going to show you through um, what follows after Zechariah gets his voice back and he begins to praise God is, is about uh, verses 67 through 80. What he does, some people call it Zechariah's praise. Some people have called it Zechariah's prophecy. You can study this on your own, but let me give you some things that I think you and I can count on and take to the bank. All right. The first is this. You can look in your notes. God loves you so much that he was and is present. So in the midst of this, how can it be? Just know that God loves you so much that he was and he is present. Zechariah says in verse 68, praise the Lord because he has visited his people. Now, that may not seem like a big deal, but when God became human as Jesus, he visited his people. I put in your notes, the theological word for that is incarnation, meaning God in the flesh. And John 1.14, which is also in your notes, is the most famous of the verses that describe the incarnation. The Word, it's capital W, that, that's referring to Jesus. The Word became human and made his what? Home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. And we seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. In a paraphrase, it's, it, it says this, the Word became flesh and blood, and moved into the neighborhood. I like, that. I like that paraphrase because God became human. That's a crazy theological truth. I mean, think about it. Part of the triune God walked on, on earth. And it's important to embrace because when you're in the how can it be pain, presence matters. When you're in pain, presence matters. God understands that, that, that pain because he understands humanity. God is not this distant deity. Some people believe this, that he kind of got the whole world spinning, the cosmos going, and then he took off. And so when we pray to him, it's more like, you know, fee fi fo fum. I hear the prayers of a distant one. You know, that's not, that's not the God of, of the Bible. In Hebrews Chapter, chapter 4, you might put a little star by this and revisit this later, but I, I just want you to see how Jesus is, is described here. It says, now that we know what we have, Jesus, the great high priest with ready access to God, let's not let it slip through our fingers. We don't have a high priest, watch this, who is out of touch with our reality. He's been through weakness and testing, experienced it all, all but the sin so let's walk right up to him and get what he is so ready to give. Take the mercy, accept the help. Meaning this, that he's not out of touch with reality. He, he gets us. He came to us. He, 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 the Bible says that Jesus was 100% God while at the same time being 100% human. See, humanity was not just his invention. It was actually his destination. 
So not only are we his invention, we're also his, his destination. And then when Jesus walked the earth, he resurrected and he leaves us his, his now his continual presence. Take a look. Romans 8, chapter uh, 8, verse 11. The spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead, what? Lives in you. So he's made his home now in, in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by the same spirit, what? Living in you. Why? Could it be that there are some things that just can't be communicated from a distance? So God's presence is super important. One of the scariest parts of my life in, in being a dad as I take an inventory over those years was teaching my daughter to drive a stick shift. Okay? She's a super bright kid, but just didn't understand the delicate balance between clutch and, and, and accelerator. And as a result, we were, we were jolted by, you know, the sequence of quick, punishing dashboard, headboard, you know, this, this type of thing. Uh, and, and then we would get out of the driveway. Uh, and... Uh, <laughs> And I can remember, you know, driving with her and her looking at me with her beautiful eyes and going, you know, Daddy, why is it when I drive you can't control your saliva? You know, as I just, you know. And these driving lessons, they were, they were tough. They were, there was pain and there was yelling and there was tears and there was pouting. And, and, and she would also get emotional. And, and I... I I can remember walking, walking in the door and, and Kathy, my wife, would just look at me and go, remember why you're doing this. Because I wasn't walking and singing those days, okay? <laughs> remember why you're doing it. I'm thinking, why aren't you doing this? You know, but, <laughs> but here's the principle. The principle is certain truth can simply not be communicated from a distance. That, that she, my daughter was not going to fully understand the principles of driving by herself. It wouldn't have worked if I stood on the sidewalk and just yelled directions to her. Because the sidewalk wasn't even safe. All right? Is that, is that the only way that she was really going to learn the truth was that if I was going to get in the car, in the car with her. Does that make sense? Okay, that's in car nation. Okay. <laughs> Boo me if you want, but you're going you're gonna to remember that, okay? That, that I needed to be on the road with her through good times and bad times, uphill, uh, downhill, concussion, slight head injury, you know, all, all of that, that there are some truths that cannot be communicated from a distance. And God obviously understood that, that if we're totally to understand how much he loves us, he came to us. See, the word didn't become word. The word became what? Flesh. The word became flesh. That's God incarnate. So in the midst of your questioning, how can this be? In your pain or your doubt or your fear, you can hold on to the truth that God loves you so much that he came to us and promises his presence within us. That's the first thing we can hold on to. Second thing we can hold on to is that God loves you and wants to redeem you. Zechariah says this, he has visited and redeemed his people. We've been rescued from our enemies so we can serve God without fear. What you need to understand about Zechariah during that time, the people in Zechariah prior to Jesus and John the Baptist, they were 
They, they greatly anticipated a savior, a Messiah, a redeemer because they were living under Roman oppression. And Zechariah had grown up and all the Old Testament points to the prophecy of, of, of Jesus coming, a Messiah coming. So they were expecting a rescuer, a redeemer. Now, we also have a picture of that in the Old Testament. And, and some of you know that when Moses was asked to deliver the Israelites from Egypt and God tells him to go to Pharaoh, let my, let my people go, you see the word redeem here as well in Exodus 6. Therefore say to the Israelites, I am the Lord and I will bring you out from under the yoke, interesting word, yoke of the Egyptians. I will free you from being a slave to them. I will redeem you with my outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. I will take you as my own people and I will be your God. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God who brought you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. Now the yoke is kind of a weird word because we think eggs and I don't even like eggs. But, but yoke just means... Um, to be tethered to. Uh, a yoke, yoke is like imprisoned. It's, it's like attached. It's, it's like a headlock that you can't get out of. All right? Now let's think about redeem. Because some of you are like, okay, so how does redeem have to do anything with 2019? Because I'm not under the yoke of, of the government. I'm not a slave to the government, right? I mean, you can insert your own tax joke there, but I'm going to spare you that one. Uh, but you're not, you're, not, you're, not, you're not imprisoned by the government, but you are imprisoned by your sin. Me too. That I'm... I'm imprisoned, I'm, I'm shackled, I, I'm attached to, I'm stuck, I'm trapped by my sin. And Jesus came to unlock those chains. He came to redeem me. He came to kick open the prison door so I don't have to be defined and live in my sin. Are you tracking with me? Does this make sense? So, so he has redeemed me and he has rescued me. So in the midst, I can still ask this question, how can it be? But in the midst of this, as I'm trying to walk from how can it be to, to this journey of faith, I'm not imprisoned by my sin. I'm freed up. I'm filled with his spirit. I have his presence dwelling in me. I now have a redeemed mind and I have a redeemed heart. So I think about things that are, that are spiritual and not fleshy. I'm not trapped to my sin. Now, there is a, a family in, in South Orange County. They live in, in San Clemente, go to a church in San Clemente. I have friends who go to this church and they forwarded me these prayer requests because there was a family five weeks ago found out that their eight-year-old boy has leukemia. In a matter of five weeks, um, they lost their child. He passed away last, last week. Devastating. I mean, imagine you going into the hospital with your son and five weeks later you walk out without him. And my buddy forwarded me her, I don't know this family, but forwarded me her, um, her Facebook post after her son passed. And I want you to read this, or I want to read this to you, and I just want you to think, that's what redemption sounds like. That's what a redeemed spirit sounds like. Very real. She writes, we are completely heartbroken. We didn't get the answer we prayed for. But we do not grieve as those without hope. I have never felt so devastated and yet so at peace at the same time. That's somebody filled with God's spirit. 
okay? How can it be? I don't get it. You didn't, an- you didn't answer my prayers. But she has a redeemed spirit, and she gets the bigger picture of, of God and not being able to understand everything about it. Okay? It doesn't mean God doesn't love her. It doesn't mean God didn't, doesn't redeem her. He just didn't answer the prayers the, the way that they, they wanted it to. But we can count on the fact that we are redeemed. Here's the third thing we can hang on to and take to the bank in the midst of our, our pain and asking how can it be that God loves you and will fulfill his promises. Zechariah says, he has been merciful to our ancestors by remembering his sacred covenant, the covenant he swore with an oath to our ancestor Abraham. Basically, Zechariah is saying this, God kept his promise. He kept his promise to Abraham. He kept his promise to me in that he delivered, he delivered us a child. But he also kept his promise in that he delivered us a savior, a redeemer, a rescuer. The whole Old Testament points to, to Jesus. And that's what Zechariah is praying. Like, you keep your word. In the midst of all of this, you remain, you remain faithful. See, the Old Testament is not a waste. It's a, it's a point to Jesus. And I put something in your notes. I just thought it was interesting. It's actually an Old Testament prophecy that prophesies about John the Baptist and the Messiah. And it's in Malachi chapter 3, or as some of you like to say, Malachi. Okay? <laughs> the Italian prophet. Uh, he, he, he says this, I am sending my messenger, that's John the Baptist, and he will prepare the way before me. So all of these three things that I've just outlined in your notes, here's what they do. They're all bundled up and they point to this truth, that God is reliable. He's totally reliable. But that creates the tension. Because if God is totally reliable, why is it that you and I live over here and go, but, but how can it be? Here's the answer to how can it be. You're not going to like it, so just be prepared for being disappointed, all right? But how can it be, here's the answer, that God is totally reliable. He's totally reliable, but at the same time, he's totally unpredictable. And there's the tension. God is totally reliable, but he's totally unpredictable. Now, look, let's look at the God-man. You want proof of that? When God walked the earth as Jesus, was Jesus predictable? No. He flipped everything upside down. I mean, he taught in a new way. He said, hey, when somebody slaps your face, don't slap them back. What do you do? Turn the other cheek. Who wants to do that? He says, if you want to be first, if you want to be, if you want to be first in the kingdom of God, you must be what? Last. He takes everything people have known and he flips it upside down. He's totally unreliable or uh, unpredictable. Now, those who hung out with him the most, the disciples, they're with him every single day. So they've seen all the, all the miracles. They've seen the water in, into wine. They've seen the healings. They've um, cast demons out of people into pigs, which is where we get deviled ham from. I mean, they, <laughs> they, they, they saw it all. These, these were seasoned, seasoned fishermen who, who were out on the sea in the winds and the waves. They're scared out of their mind. Jesus wakes up from a nap. And what does Jesus do? He rebukes the wind and the waves. Everything calms down. And these guys who saw him every single day, they said, it says they were amazed and they said, what kind of man is this? 
See, for most of us in here, if we're really honest, our, our God is just, our God is too small. See, we want God to work in a way that our finite brains work. We want God to work in a, in a linear fashion. A plus B equals C. Then I can understand it. Like A, if I tithe, plus B, if I go to church, then C, I'm going to have a good life. Uh, a, if I'm pure before marriage, plus B, I help old people, uh, equals I, I'm going to have a good marriage. And yet it, it, doesn't, it doesn't work that way. And with all of my heart, with all of my heart, I actually do believe that obedience is part of the faith equation. With all of my heart, I believe obedience is part of the faith equation. But the closer I get to Jesus, the older I get as I walk with him, the more I realize I don't understand his faith equations. I don't understand. I don't understand it. It, it kind of brings me back to grade school. You remember those, those word math problems? Remember those? If Tim has to deliver pizza to New York by 4 p.m., what time should he leave Chicago by train if his wife is riding horseback while flipping pancakes? You know, and you're like, I, 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 don't even, I don't even know where to start, you know? <laughs> and part of me is, you know, honestly, is a little embarrassed that I stand in front of so many people to say, I don't have easy answers to your how can it be questions. But then anybody who does have easy answers isn't telling you the truth. Because God is totally unpredictable. He doesn't work in a linear fashion. He doesn't work within the borders of our, our finite minds. And it bothers us that we like the fact that he's reliable. It just bugs us that he's, that he's unpredictable. We want God to do things that make sense to us. We want him to finish writing our script and fulfill our script. And if we're totally honest, really what we want God to do is to work for us. But he doesn't. He's unpredictable. You know, I learned that in my 20s. I, I, a lot of you don't know this, but I was actually the youth pastor here in the 80s on this property before it was Mariner's Church. It was a church called South Coast Community Church. And I was doing youth ministry right down there. There was a portable building. And I remember it was a September night um, because we was kicking off school in this great outreach program. We planned all summer for it. And, and we're reaching all these, these teenagers. And everything that night went wrong. It was a disaster. I'll save you the details, but music, the guitar strings broke, the sound didn't work, the video didn't show, as I'm given an incredible message, if I don't say so myself. <laughs> There's like an eighth grade boy who passes gas out loud in the middle of the, and everybody's like, nobody wants to be blamed for it. Everybody's talking, moving all over. I mean, just think disaster. And this girl comes up to me from University High School, been coming for months. And she says to me, I just want to let you know that tonight, for the very first time, I understand that God loves me. And then she says this, I felt the presence of God tonight. And you know what I wanted to say to her? No, you didn't. Okay? <laughs> that was not God's presence. That was that kid over there. You know that? You know, and I learned that 
God is totally unpredictable. He doesn't work by my plans or your plans. He doesn't work in a linear fashion. He doesn't work within the confines of my finite my thinking. He's unpredictable. I mean, think about it. Who would have predicted that God would have chosen a stutterer in Moses to go to the most powerful leader in the world? That's unpredictable. Who would have thought that circumcision would be the sign of his covenant of love? I mean, think about that one. Imagine the Trinity brainstorm session that went on there. Like, okay. We get a jagged rock, okay? I mean, it's, to it's totally unpredictable. Who would have thought that, that God would enter humanity through a teenager, a teenage virgin? Okay, God is unpredictable, but he's totally reliable. If you haven't read the books, the Chronicles of Narnia, they're children's literature, but it actually has adult theology in it. And if you don't know it, in the Chronicles of Narnia, Aslan is a, a big lion, and Aslan is the, the Jesus figure, the, the Christ character. And one of the girls in the story, her name is Lucy, she's a little girl, in the second book uh, of the series, she stumbles into Aslan. And she's overwhelmed by how big Aslan is. And I want to take you through her dialogue. Aslan, said Lucy, you're bigger. That is because you are older, little one, answered he. Not because you are? I am not. But every year you grow, you will find me bigger. You see, the longer we follow Jesus, the how can it be, it's, it's, re, it's reduced in both volume and, and size. See, following Jesus doesn't mean that you're not going to have fear or doubt or pain. It just means you're not going to be alone. You're not going to be alone. That, that, and what I want for my own life, here's what I want for my own life, which I also want for you, is I want my how can it be to quickly move to how big you are. It's fair to ask how can it be, but the next stop along the way is how big you are. And in between those stops, I can count on the fact that you love me and you're with me, you came to redeem me, and you are reliable, that you, you, keep, you keep your word. So while I don't have easy answers for you, I do have uh, the truth that you don't have to journey alone, that he wants to get in your car. And because he is a reliable and unpredictable God, it'll be an adventurous journey. It'll be quite the ride. And so God, that's our prayer, that we wouldn't ride alone we don't want to be the same people when we leave here as we were when we got here. We, you know we are living in the difficult tension that you're both totally reliable and totally unpredictable. And while we want you to stick to the script that we've written for our lives, we know that your ways are different. We also know that you love us and you understand our doubt and pain and fear. And today our prayer is that we would be people of faith who courageously move from how can it be to how big you are, how big you are. We ask this 
In your name, Jesus. Let us respond to that amazing message. The Lord is totally reliable, yet unpredictable, bigger than we can imagine. Mm, yeah. And you're alive in us.
their soldiers watched in vain was borrowed for three days. His body there would not remain. Oh, for our God has robbed the That's what we call church. God's people gather together and celebrate his goodness, yay. How many, how many of you are glad you're just here today? Yeah. That's great. Um, let me remind you to pick up the Thanksgiving kit at the, on the patio on the way out, also by the doors. We have an invitation to the new series that you uh, might want to pick up. If you want to be a part of one of my 1,000 prayer people, if you didn't text it in, you can fill it out, put it in the offering, or the table by the baptismal. Speaking of prayer, we have people to your right, my left, over by those lights that would love to pray for you. If you have any needs you want to be prayed for or a prayer of healing, our elders are here every single weekend uh, out the door to the right. They'd be thrilled to pray for you. Let's pray together. God, we are your people, and we love you. We love to sing. We love to laugh. We love to dance. We just love to celebrate who you are, that you are the resurrected king. And as we live in this tension of how can it be, may we grasp the truth that you are totally reliable and totally unpredictable. And may we be people who live in that tension. Thank you for redeeming us, for loving us, for giving us your presence so we can live courageously for you this week. And God's people said, amen. 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 Blessings.